You're listening to The Doe Post. We're broadcasting today from Saturday morning, UCI, really close to where Kobe Bryant lived. And we're all trying to get through it here in California and more specifically Southern California. But today we're going to catch up with my friend Ben Mullen, friend from Sports Business Classroom. Uh, ben, welcome to the two-timer club of The Doe Post. Not many people have made it, but you you have, sir. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about getting a black maid, actually. Yeah. Very excited. Like, this is, this is definitely going on the resume, for sure. I mean, not many it's people. Uh, pretty exclusive club. So I'm saying, the dope post is invitation only. It is. It really is. They just, just walk in and do a dope post. They just, you know, they don't let everybody do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, Ben, how, like, how are you doing, man? Like, I haven't talked to you since the summer. So, like, what have you been up to? Uh, school. School. Week. So right, right now, um, I have the bar exam at the end of July, and um, man, the bar sucks. The bar exam is basically like if somebody asks you to memorize Wikipedia, uh-huh. like you could do a lot of it and you'd know a lot of things, but it's also like there for you to look at anytime. And the whole law is like that now, but. The test, the test for the law hasn't changed in like 40 years. And so now I get to spend until July memorizing everything about almost every area of the law. Um, so it's, you know, I'm having a lot of fun right now. Um, going to be able to tell you a lot about contracts in a week. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, other than that, um, watching a lot of football, watching a lot of college football. Um, I've tried to go to more movies in the last year than I normally did. That's been, that's been one of the little, hobbies but yeah it's uh it's mostly just just grinding it out in nashville so are you still doing uh i think last time you told me you were doing like football analytics for a high school team i think in tennessee are you still doing that yeah yeah so i've been i've been doing a little bit of work with uh oakland high school in uh in murfreesboro tennessee they went 14 and one this year uh they lost the state semifinals but they scored an average of 50 points a game and gave up an average of seven points a game. Uh, and they broke the single game scoring record for the state of Tennessee. So overall, like a very fun year. Um, like it's, uh, it's really weird with football because especially with high school, cause there's just like, hasn't been data in the past. And so this is like one of the first years that they're actually charting out every play and results and markers and everything. So you can do something with it. So it's been a lot of just collecting data and trying to figure out what you can learn from it. It's still it's still a pretty small sample, but yeah, it's um it's fun it's fun to watch your team just destroy people always, no matter what level. Yeah, in any sport too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um especially when they're like that much better than everybody else. It just it just makes it a, a very joyful experience. That's something I haven't really thought about, which is like bring all the the new changes to professional sports. Um, like it recently, I'm pretty sure now colleges are picking it up and they're probably, um, adapting, but I never thought about really like high school or adapting to like the analytics movement and hiring people like you to like help them out with that. So, yeah, that's what, yeah, it's, it's so weird because it's, it, you know, it's, it's an evolutionary thing where the people who don't do it, the last ones who don't pick up analytics, they're going to be the worst coaches, like not even necessarily because they're not using analytics, but like. If you haven't at least looked at using that at some point, then you're just you're just uncreative about your craft, and you just you know you're not really exploring all the options. And so it's it's really interesting 
to see like who's getting in on it first because it's like all the people that you really expect to be ahead of the curve. And I love how sports like they always people everyone ag- would definitely agree like the NBA level, like the professional level, the college level, and the high school level. They're like three entirely different games, right? And from like a coaching standpoint and a playing standpoint, they're just like so different from each other that like they're almost like entirely different games. Right. That's what that's that's one thing I've been thinking about a lot with uh, football on like the differences of what you can do with numbers, and I, it's it's way more prevalent and like pronounced in basketball. Is the biggest change at each jump of the sport is the court becomes a lot smaller because everybody covers ground so much faster. To where like. If, if NBA basketball was played with the pace and space in high school, the court would be absolutely gigantic. But, you know, you have guys that can get from three-point line to three-point line in three steps, and that just changes everything about it in such a weird spatial way. That just, it's, so it's, it's like a different puzzle to solve at each level, even though it's, it's like the same theme, but all the, all the pieces kind of move differently. Yeah, I, I mean... I got to meet the head coach of UC Irvine's uh, men's basketball team a couple months ago, and like he was talking all about how how, how much different the game is um, compared to the NBA. Like he he, he said, total entirely different game. Um, but then they he, he was talking about how he he he's probably really biased in saying this, but he said like he thinks UCI is uh, uh, one of the the best college basketball teams in. Analyzing like the other side's like tendencies in game, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. It's cool hearing like a college coach, um, talking about the same things that like NBA NBA coaches are probably talking about right now. Yeah, it's and it's so interesting too because they're they're babies. Like it, it's college players don't generally understand the game, especially with basketball where there's not as defined positions and everything. It's mostly just guys that were very good at basketball. And like it's that that's something that I, I like really started to love about college coaching more is just the skill it takes to teach the game at like a philosophical level of why am I doing what I'm doing? And then now they have to throw in all of this analytics stuff and all the new training and nutrition and there's just like there's never been like a denser thing that you're trying to get through your athletes than there is right now. And it's also new. And so it's it's really hard to focus your time on on the stuff that like matters because it's you know, when you're dealing with 19-year-olds, you've got, like, two hours of instruction a day that's going to stick. When I talked to you about this over the summer, I think, like, you were barely just starting out, right? hmm So, since then, and I, I think the high school season is over by now, right? Uh, yeah. 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 So, what were some, like, of the challenges you faced being, being it, like, it was your first time coaching and coaching football? Or, I mean, I don't know if you were coaching, but you were in analytics. No, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this, this year was basically like the exploratory year it, it's just mostly just talking to the coach like yeah. you know because it's it's been a lot of uh me learning football in a in a different way thinking about it like a coach would which is like talk about like a different game like just football like there's the uh espn for the college football championship every year does a coach's film room where they just have like four or five coaches watch the game and they've got their clicker and everything and it's, I mean, it, it's an, almost a different language than you would get, even if it's somebody super good like Tony Romo. Just the way that they think about things and the, like the pattern recognition of everything that they have. And so I had like access to all the film and everything this year. And so this year's mostly been 
okay, I've got these numbers. What do these look like? I can't really tell anything yet, especially when you're beating everybody by 50 or 60 points. You've got like four or five drives per game to analyze. So you really need a whole year of data before you can kind of start to dive into that. Um, so it's uh, right now kind of looking at what I've got, seeing what lessons what lessons I can learn, and reading a lot of books about football. That's been that's been really instructive because um, it's just it's so complicated in such a different way that I'm used to really thinking about anything. Um, but yeah, it's a it, it, it's a promising start. Ben, it sounds a lot like you're you're more interested in your analytics work with your high school than you are in law school. Like you, 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 you were, ta- yeah, you were definitely talking for like five minutes straight for, for your analytics position. And then just like, you're telling me, Oh yeah, I'll, 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 I can tell you about some contracts later. Well, that's, that's the weird thing about law school is after like the first year, pretty much everybody is either all about the law or is completely checked out about like caring about the law. Like you, because you get into school and you're starting off with like your contracts and your criminal law and stuff, and it's all these like more or less like entertaining things that you're reading. Where especially criminal law, it's somebody had to do a crime in a way that was so significant that a judge had to write a new opinion to address what to do with this person. So that's all like really fascinating stuff. And then you get to the Constitution, and you realize that it like totally doesn't matter. You can just kind of say whatever you want as long as you're a judge. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Um, maybe this has less structure than I thought. Uh, you know, it makes sense. Sports. I'm going to care about sports more. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I'm still an undergrad, of course. But it's, you know, undergrad has its challenging moments. But for the most part, if you just study, that's like good enough, I think. But for me, it's I also feel like, oh, like this is so boring. And I my mind just drifts off into into thinking about sports or going on the athletic and putting my subscription to use and reading some, uh, some good articles, you know, analytics articles from Seth part now, or, um, yeah. Yeah. Or John Hollinger, yeah. since he's a athletic writer now. Yeah. That's, that, that's one of the challenges for sure. I, there, there's just way too much incredible stuff out there. Just way too much. And you can, you're still, especially like analytics, stuff, you're still learning a ton about just critical thinking in general and why people are doing what they're doing. And it's, it's really hard to just turn that off and go read 40 pages from a textbook. Like, I, I think I think I was probably a pretty big part in most professors now don't let you use laptops in class. Yeah. Because it's very, it's very easy to just not take notes. Yep, yep. Especially if you're in there for like two hours. So, so what I wanted to get to is how's undergrad? Um, like I said, you know, as, as long as you study, I think you can get like a B, A or B, um, and but it's so it's like the the education is so I think broad. Even though you you may be taking upper division classes, it's super broad and it still feels introductory for most of the classes. And I wish there was a professor who it doesn't have to be sports, but like I wish they would just go on you know. Um, just like side side roads or side topics or I mean go off topic and try to apply what we're learning to some other field you know like it's my dream if 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 I had like a Kirk Goldsberry type professor just like teach about some basketball analytics because that's what he likes and or try to relate some uh something we're learning in econ which what uh is what I'm majoring in 
and try to relate that to like sports somehow. That's like my dream professor. But most professors, they kind of don't take that risk, I think. I think that's what it is. Like they, they prefer to stay on the safe side and just like teach the, the fundamentals and just teach, just introduce the topic. But yeah, I wish, I wish there, were, there were more people teaching that would take risks or they would just let their passion like shine through, you know? Everyone, it always feels like they're, they've been like, they've been doing this a long time. So they're kind of jaded and, um, yeah, that's what, that's what undergrad feels like to me right now. I, I, I think you nailed it. I, one of the professors that I think about the most, and one of the classes I think about the most from undergrad at Georgia is entomology because the professor loved insects. He had like insect wraps that he would play for us. This dude would bring in Petri dishes and he'd have like a spider and a worm, and he'd put it up on the overhead and say, all right, if the spider kills the worm, we're out of class. Just yeah. wacky stuff like that. Yeah, but I yeah. remember, I remember so much about that because it was just somebody that really loved what they were doing. Yep. Um, and that's that's really started to be my divide, um, especially in law school where you're, you're having the same professor three, four, five times before you graduate. And there's somewhere, even on day one, Oh, this person likes to talk about this subject. Like I, I've got, I'm taking a law and economics class this semester with a guy who was on the Supreme Court of Alabama, and he's got two postgraduate degrees in economics. He's had like a weird path, and like five minutes into the first class, he's talking about Socratic dialogues and what it is to even think about theory in an abstract sense. And he's like, "Oh, I'm just listening to this dude's podcast right now. This isn't class." It's so much better. I'm getting so much more out of it. Yeah. I I really, when I think back to every teacher I've had in, in, in school or just in life, like um, two teachers, like, I, never mind, forget forget the life because a lot of people can be your teacher in life. But in school, I, I really have had only two, like, really, like, teachers who just stand out amongst the rest. First one was in high school. She taught me German for four years and she was like one of the, the veteran teachers, right? Like she was, she was older than most, but she just had, I could, I could, I could tell like she did not want to, um, stick with the crowd. Like she was going to do what she thought was right. Even though like if people laughed or people thought she was being, you know, um, quote unquote extra, but those four years I like, she would get like political a lot and, I remember my friends and I, we would kind of like look at her uh, more conservative ideas and we just kind of like scoff or or we just think like, oh, there she goes again. But then I remember um, the last presidential election, I kind of thought about her and I was like, she did us a favor by like showing to us that, you know, in our little um, liberal town in California, it's like there's not everyone is like this in the country you know, so when, when, when the election results happened and, you know, I wasn't a fan of them, it just made me think that I should have seen this coming. Like my German teacher represented what, like a lot of people feel like in the country and what we felt like in our little small town, like was not representative of the entire country. So teachers like that, where like, they, they teach you so much more than what the actual class description is. And they go above and beyond the syllabus. You know? Yep, that's that's exactly what it is. Like I I think the best 
educator I've ever had was my legal writing professor my first year of school. And the other two classes started off just drilling legal writing and getting all your syntax and your citations and everything right. And we spent like the first session during orientation talking about mindfulness and meditation and presence in the moment when you're writing. And she'd have us like put our feet on the floor and just take breaths and feel the floor. And none of us hated writing. And two thirds of the law school despises legal writing and thinks it's like the worst thing ever. And all it took was one person just understanding how to get through to us. And we didn't hate the most important part of school. Yeah. Um, my German teacher, so four years, man, freshman freshman year to senior year, um, she she exposed us to ev- like so many things about the German culture from not just um, speaking, writing, reading, but we like she taught us like some German dances and she made us like go outside the class where like other classrooms could see and she made us like pair up with someone and she would teach you how to dance and like like she yell at us if you did not dance. <laughs> to the music um every friday we we pull out the, the our singing books and like we'd sing like some german songs we That's yeah we did like german skits to like practice speaking and then i remember the the third and fourth year where everyone's basics were like pretty good every class would just end with like a 10 minute discussion on life but like totally in german um and like you know she she never she always said like she didn't care if we we remembered any German after after graduating. She just cared that like we had a work ethic, and she hoped the class would like kind of teach teach you teach us how to have a work ethic. That's what she always said. Um, like w- whenever we talked, like people would mess up, and like she would not care. Like as long as like you got the message out, and she understood what you were trying to say. Like she did not care if like your grammar was correct or whatever. Uh, writing, if you're writing, then yes, grammar has to be correct, but like speaking, it right. doesn't matter. Right. Uh, exactly. yeah. And then, but the other, the other teacher I was, I want to talk about, you know, you know, that, that perception you, everyone has of like what a teacher should look like, like, you know, they, yeah. should, they should dress up nice, have a clean, clean cut, like fashion or super boring fashion or toned down fashion. Mm. So community college first year. I had a guy who was teaching me intermediate English, I think. So, um, it's not like, not, not, so it's like a level above like college level writing or it's like, like above the introductory college level writing. Right? right. So first day I see him coming towards the class and he's wearing just a black t-shirt, blue jeans, black boots, uh, bald, like a buzz cut with like tattoos all over his arms and he just sees everyone is like, hey, what's up? And I remember the first day he just like got in everyone's face, just like screaming on, and, and about like, um, like philosophical history, like the, uh, the history of like uh, philosophy and just like just screaming random stuff or random topics from like all of his all the books that we were going to read that semester because he wanted people to know like you're in for like a really challenging class. And like, if you're not in it, then like you should quit like right now, you know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But again, like, um, every class session we would, we would, uh, sit, sit at a table, but like he wanted us to sit in a circle so that you could see everyone else as we're talking about what we're reading and as we're like discussing and debating. 
um he would lead the discussion but he would never never like make make us feel like he was above anyone so that's why he would all also sit like in a table with us like he never he felt like if he were to just stand and just talk in front of a class where everyone else is sitting he felt like that would make us feel like we're below him or we're beneath him or that since he has more degrees than us he's he's like superior he didn't want us to feel like that so he, he always tried to like be real and just make make us feel like we're all together and we're all trying to achieve the same thing so man like that guy's office hours i don't know if i don't i'm pretty sure you've never experienced this before but his office hours has would have like five chairs and then all the chairs would be filled but then people would just stand by the doorway and just like listen in and just uh, that's crazy yeah so that's so cool people like that man just change change your life people like that but since you're doing economics i'll tell you the other thing that other than just extraordinary people that has really stuck with me is man doing all that calculus is really helpful in the long run mm-hmm. i can it's I, uh mm-hmm. it, it's it's so weird being like years removed from doing math and still all the time i'm like i definitely wouldn't think that if i hadn't done a bunch of statistics like there's just there's no way and i it, it's just there's something about going through the mechanics and just doing all of that stupid calculus that ends up like course correcting the way you think about some things. Yep. And so I'm taking like a, like an intro stats class right now, but it's like pretty challenging guy, uh, pretty challenging guy teaching it. And again, like I appreciate, I'm going to appreciate how much, how challenging he, he was later on. But like, you know, in the moment you're just like, ah, oh, this is so frustrating. But I, I just see my, my teacher as like, he, he really wants us to be, to to uh, improve and progress so that's why he's challenging us like he's not challenging us because like he enjoys it you know he wants everyone to be better um yeah so i mean for me the stats class yeah the 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 further you get in everything kind of just starts to fit together a little bit more and make it a little bit rewarding so i i i like i like stats just because my stats class just because like the 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 terms like you know um, like variance, you know, you hear that a lot in analytics. So it's cool. It's cool to have like at least one class in undergrad that's teaching, you know, the same, th- uh, similar things as what, what, uh, we're interested in. Yeah. It's, it, it's so weird because it just, it seems like there are just some fundamental lessons that you're going to pick up from somewhere on statistics, whether you like take that first class, you just watch sports for 20 years and you eventually just Google what some of this stuff needs. And we all kind of end up in the same place. And it's definitely easier to understand it with sports. But yeah, just like stuff like learning that randomness is an actual definable thing that's not just, oh, it's random. And no, there, there's methodology to discovering what is actually random and what looks like it's random. And just weird stuff like that that you, you'd sound like you were crazy if it wasn't backed up by math. Yep, definitely agree. Um, man, what a, what a great conversation so far. And- we haven't even talked about basketball, right? We're rolling. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't even think we need to talk about basketball. No, we got to talk about Kobe. Okay. Yeah, we got to talk about Kobe. Um. All right. So, how? Where were you when when uh, when you heard the news? So I like went to get groceries and unloaded everything, and then pulled out my phone and had ten minute old alerts from the New York Times and ESPN, and so that was the first time that. Somebody has died, and I didn't. There was no, oh, I wonder if this is false reporting. Like, no, if I, 
got a New York Times alert ten minutes ago, and they haven't corrected it. That's solid reporting, and so it was. It was really weird not having even like that initial minute of wait a minute, no, this can't be real. It was oh okay, I need to go ahead and start accepting this. And so then I just ran to Twitter, and like it, that was like really an amazing couple hours there, where everybody is talking about the same thing and has the same kind of empathy towards it. Like, that's that's stuff that happens after natural disasters or terrorist attacks, not a basketball player dying. And so it was just, it was so weird to see how everything came together. But I want to hear about you in L.A. Because, like, I, there, there are no Laker fans around me. Like, it, it, it didn't mean something like that. I'm not in, in basketball country. Yeah. So I had work that morning uh i worked at target and my i clocked in at 9 a.m so that's like a couple minutes before his helicopter took off from uh john wayne airport so uh kobe so uc irvine right it's located in southern california but more specifically uh this area called like orange county so it's like a county right next to la county but right. so Kobe, he lived like a couple minutes from where I go to school in this town called Newport Beach, right next to Irvine, California. So he, he I, I think he just preferred to live in like a more, you know, quiet area because down here, it's not like a like a uh, like a downtown L.A. type of like vibe where it's super busy, super noisy. It's pretty quiet, pretty chill here. So he, I think that's why he, he, he liked living here. And that, that's why he would. And then he, so there's this freeway called the 405 that you need, that you need to take from here to get to Staples Center. And he hated the, he hated the traffic. So that's why he started with just flying from here to Staples to, you know, practice or, uh, play games. And that way he could get back to spend more time with his family and his daughters. So, uh, again, this morning he would take the helicopter to, uh, his uh, Mamba Training Center, which is like even north, further north from Staples. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that provides enough background information for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So then, I clock in at nine a.m. nine oh six a.m. He takes off from John Wayne Airport again. Airport super close to where I am, and then he crashed like around forty minutes later, nine forty seven a.m. But like I didn't, I didn't know about that uh, when I was at work. Uh, got my first break two hours into the shift at like 11, came back 11.15, and then I think 11.30-ish, a customer told my supervisor that like Kobe died, and then my supervisor told me, and I literally, I, I reacted as if like a little kid reacted to something really bad happening. Like, I was just like, what? And pulled out my phone, didn't care if I was going to get in trouble, I just checked Twitter to see if like it was trending and then i check uh, our our slack page for sbc to see if anyone else knew anything and then uh i just like i was just like shaken up for the rest of my shift honestly and i, I was just like walking around i was just putting my hands on my, um on the sides of my head and and then eventually i start hearing other customers talking about it and like that made me even more sad and it just like made me think like oh man this is this is probably true and and then a couple maybe half an hour later uh, a new supervisor comes in sees me asks me how uh how i'm doing i say like i'm sad and then 
uh, she also lets me know that like one of his daughters died too and like that just like crushed me and I, I just like started leaning on like this uh store the store pillar I guess and because I was just like 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 Kobe died well in his daughter I knew she I knew all of his daughters are pretty young so it was it crushed me even more uh yeah he he's the first celebrity death I've ever cried over first one ever the last two times I've cried about basketball were his last game and when he died yep and it, it, it's it's so weird because I've just I spent so much time just reflecting on Kobe this week where it just like every day it just comes back in waves yep and like I I was not I was not a member of the sovereign nation of Kobe Stan ever like I would I, I would not have said I was a fan of Kobe the basketball player like I didn't really start to like him until he retired and I heard him talk and I was like oh okay I, I like the way this dude works um, now that he's not shooting inefficient jumpers over guys that are taller than him anymore um, and it's just there's just so much stuff that lined up for him in terms of like myth creation and narrative and stuff where everything seemed like it was making sense in a certain way. And then he's gone like this and then it it just amplifies everything that he did before where you're just paying so much more attention. Like, okay, I get why he didn't want Shaq to shoot the ball. Shaq wasn't working hard. I understand now. Just all this little stuff from his career just started to make a little bit more sense. Just after every, if everybody spends three days talking about the same thing, you just you learned so much yeah so i like so and then he's like touched so many lives and that's why like everyone has their own personal kobe story that they'll always remember um so for me i i i didn't really watch him that much in his career either i i started watching basketball and like him when in his second to last season when he just came back from um i think the knee injury uh, and then I just watching him, seeing how hard he played, and then seeing how, 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 how in love like LA was for him, even though he was old and he wasn't as good anymore. And that that's what like got me into the Lakers culture, Lakers basketball culture culture here in LA. And I just like haven't stopped watching since. So like, uh, so then you know there weren't a lot of you know highlights from his career in his last two years besides you know, the, his, his, uh, 60 point game, but like, I, I, I got to see it, you know, I got to see the 60 point game. I was outside Staples center that night cheering with everyone else who couldn't afford like the thousand dollar tickets for like nosebleed seats. Um, I think uh, that night, like it just made me, made me, you know, see that like there was a lot more to sports than just a game and just like winning and losing. Um, so like yeah, I was weird. That, that one night, I went from two years of, Kobe's not worth that much money. This is stupid. You're not going to win. Kobe is absolutely not worth that much money. Kobe was worth that much money over the last two years for that one night alone. Yeah. Like, it's just viewing viewing basketball in a very different way than how the Bus family viewed it. And they, they knew what they were doing, and they understood the importance of keeping him around as long as he wanted to stay there. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, if we're if – we're, if we're trying to be like as objective as possible, like if we're going to try to analyze basketball, like how Jerry West would, when he says like, he really believes in not like overpaying players, then yeah. Like obviously if you're, if you're paying for basketball talent, then of course, like Kobe is not worth that much money. But like, if we're going to think about how much he means to this uh, an entire city of LA, how much he means to basketball, 
like that is and you're like you're so right like if if we're gonna pay him that much money just for that one night it was so worth it in the end it, it was like so much stuff that he did was just full-on storybook like because he was he was so aware of the narrative that he was putting forth and like all the nicknames and calling himself vintage vino towards the end there's all this weird stuff where he'd show you a little bit more of his personality as he got older until like we finally like started to really get to see like who he was as a dude since he wasn't working 18 hours a day just on basketball because that's that's one of the things i've been thinking about the most is by far the most impressive thing about it is all the stuff he did when nobody saw it like, yeah yeah all the stories every, every time anybody else in the league sat down to take a nap for 30 minutes Everyone taking a nap, he's training. Nobody's watching him, but he's working. And all the stories, like again, like how you said, um, the things that he he did when no one was watching. So all the stories that have come out from uh, the ESPN media people, or just any basketball media person, or just like any fan really, of like the nice things that he's done for them, whether it was taking a picture or uh, uh, talking with like a, a new incoming mother. And telling her like being a being a being a mom is like such a blessing, and being a woman is such a blessing. And um, that's that's been one of the crazy things is this is this is also the first massive celebrity death since we've had Reddit being like everybody's on that, and just going through threads and there'll be a story about a guy who saw Kobe at Disneyland. And made sure he like lined up his pass so he could walk up and give Kobe a fist bump. Kobe fist bumped him, and just little stuff like that that you, you just never would have gotten to hear in the past. It just humanized him so much more. Which, first of all, Kobe was just walking around to Disneyland with his family with no security or anything. How amazing is that? Yep, and yeah, that's that's like LA love right there, where it's like everyone is pretty pretty aware of uh all the celebrities going around and like they understand uh you know know, celebrities want their comfort or want to be comfortable too in like uh you know places like disneyland you know so uh and i like i just it's almost like a religious thing with him where you've got people who i just want to touch him you know i don't need to talk to him i don't need to get a picture i just want to touch kobe yeah i mean that that stuff you do with the pope yeah Uh, i was so I was uh, going going on uh, the the UCI subreddit, and uh, I think someone made a post asking if anyone had Kobe stories because the thing was when Kobe was still playing in around 2010 2011, he would visit the UCI campus and he would like go and work out at the the school gym with everyone, and he would go into the like the basketball or kind of like our event event stadium. And he like, I, there's pictures of him playing one-on-one against students. Um, yeah. And then apparently uh, there's a, like a t- town center, university town center across from the, the school campus where there was like a yogurt or like a Froyo place. There was like a, a math tutoring center. And apparently like he would, people would see him take his kids there. Or there was also like a book place as well. And people were just telling stories of how they'd, they'd see him and then they'd, they'd see like, you know, he was with his family, so they weren't going to go up to him. But like they would like they would kind of like wave at him and then he like look at them and he'd give them like a nod, you know, just like acknowledging their 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 presence, which is like more than enough. And that's like it would just make anyone happy from that. Well, yeah, he he knew what he was so well where he, he, he 
he's got like a lot of the Charles Barkley of that person is probably only ever going to see me once, and they're probably going to define what they think about me by what happened that time that they saw me. Mm-hmm. And I have heard zero stories of, yeah, I met Kobe and he was a dick. Like the worst case scenario is I met Kobe and he didn't say anything, which is expected because he's Kobe. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw, um, like Shaq, Shaq obviously has been, you know, going through it a lot worse than we have, but it was a uh, pretty, 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 um, pretty pretty cool to see him doing better I, I guess because when he was doing uh, uh, his show he, he was telling everyone how like one time when Kobe was a rookie they were uh, they were they were in a huddle during practice but like Kobe wasn't really playing at that time so he, he, he wasn't in the huddle but everyone was listening to coach Del Harris talk but then Kobe was on the side without a basketball and going full speed and just like 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 pretending to dribble and pretending to do like like fake shots and he would like talk to himself and he's like you can't guard me you can't guard me huh, huh, you can't guard me and then Shaq was just saying like what is that guy doing and then but like no one no one was just like no one like everyone just let like left him alone you know so that's what I'm, I'm trying to remember what I don't remember what player it was but uh, highly questionable played an interview from a few years ago where. They, they asked somebody, you know, who, who did you hate guarding the most? And of course, it was Kobe. And I said, okay, what was that like? And he said, you know, the first time I played him, everybody told me he makes all these, like, kissing noises like he's an actual snake when he calls to the ball. And I thought people were just messing with me. And then he gets out there, and Kobe is hissing whenever he's calling for the ball. And he's like, wait a minute, this dude is different, completely different. <sighs> um, yeah, I – this this whole week, I would I would I'd, for most of the week, I I woke up and with with like Kobe as like my first thought. It's only like the past couple of days where like he he wasn't my first thought. He he'd be but like my second or third thought. So, I guess like time heals for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm just now to the point where I don't like physically feel something in my stomach whenever I read late Kobe Bryant. When I read the name Kobe Bryant, I'm like, there's no way he's gone. Like he. He's still alive. Like, how can he be gone? Well, it's like I, I had a moment a few days ago where it was just like, for some reason, it felt like I was just experiencing what it would be like if Kobe died. It's like, okay, this is what this is what that would look like. We can go back to like the actual reality now. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I was even after Sunday, I guess like Monday or Tuesday, I was just I'd always search up like um, reliable news. uh news uh newspapers just to see if like anyone would confirm like he's still alive or he's or he's critical condition at least but still alive but then like i think tuesday they they like confirmed the identities of like everybody so see that's that's what i, I did have a moment where i was like well he's got enough money to fake his own death and that seems like it might be something he would do yeah i've i've also definitely thought about the whole conspiracy theory of like celebrities faking their deaths but i don't think he would i don't think he'd do that to his, his family man uh, yeah i think he'd be back by now yep or uh, yeah he's like i'm so sorry everyone like i i thought i thought this was like a good idea but no so yeah we'd be so mad for like five seconds and then just be so happy he's back yeah um uh any uh so well any any kobe stories sure so i i, I wrote down a couple couple things to talk about um so first of all the the first like posters that i got up on my wall 
in my room, like early in elementary school, were just like sports posters from the book fair. And I had three basketball posters, and one of them was T-Mac and Yao, one of them was LeBron his rookie year. And those were just like photos of them standing against the backfoot off. And then I had a Kobe one that was him dunking the earth into a black hole. I've been thinking about wow. that a lot. Wait, what a, what a great record. It was number eight, Kobe with the fro, just dunking earth into a black hole in space. That is so cool. I've never, I've never heard of there's, any there's poster so like that. All the other posters. There's so much better. Dunking earth into a black hole? This is amazing. I need, I need, I need to call my parents and see if they can find that because I, I'd really like to have that now. Yeah. Um, I, I managed to get uh, the, uh, the LA Times uh, news article the day after uh, with like, like a huge Kobe picture like on the front and like from his career and like from a couple self portraits and also like um, a portrait of like Gigi on the back. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm I'm gonna keep that and maybe I'll frame it Absolutely. if that's possible. But yeah, that's I I've been wearing my Kobe's every day this week. Do you? So I have a question. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking. So I only have one pair of basketball shoes. They are not Kobe's. They are the Hardens. I wanted the Ultra Boosts. But if I were to buy Kobe's, would it be socially acceptable for me to wear them outside and not like while playing only? Absolutely. Okay. I, I I only have one pair. I have two pairs of Kobe's. Um, one of them is just like they're both they're both Kobe nines. One of them's like American flag, and I hoop in those. And then I have a pair of the Kobe nine Beethovens, which are just like the black and white, like gray scale. And like those are those are like my favorite shoes of all time. Like I I wanted to get them when they came out. They came out when I was like a freshman in college. And I didn't have the money to do it then. And then I just found them at a sneaker store in Tennessee. I was like, yep, I have, I have to buy these. Like, I'll regret it if I don't buy these. But I'm, I'm always so scared to wear them out because they're white. But I wore them like three times this week because it just it felt right. But yeah, you can, not, not only can you wear the Kobe around, I went sockless with the Kobe's one day this week. Nice. Do you, do you obsessively clean over the Kobe's or do you just let them be? Uh, I just let them be. I'll, I'll, because I got them, one of them I got used, and they were, like, kind of beat up when I got them. And I got them cleaned for, like, 15 bucks, and they're, like, completely, like, new now. So I figure, because I, I only probably wear them, like, 15 times a year, something like that. Because I, 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 and now even more so, like, I want to have those a long time from now. So I'll probably be a little bit more conscious going forward about wear and tear on them and, and, and kind of keeping them tidy. They might go on a shelf now. Mm, yeah. I, I think I'm in the camp of every 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 basketball player. You just have to have one pair exclusively for indoor basketball. And if you if you you could have another pair that you could you know use to just do anything else, or you could play outside, or you can just you know all all use all use uh basketball shoe. I'm in. I yeah. think I'm in that camp. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So I I, I don't have I don't have that many Kobe stories since I started watching him late, but like. I think my best one is probably just um, being outside Staples Center that night on his last game. I actually like I actually lied to my mom about where I was going to be because I knew that she wouldn't let me go out <laughs> on a school night, even though I was two months away from graduating high school. Like she definitely would not have let me go out. So first time ever lying to my parents about where I was going to be. Drove with my friend from high school to downtown LA Staples. Pay twenty dollars for parking, split it ten ten, so not bad. And we 
the Lakers didn't put up any any screens or whatever. So what we had to do was everyone had to find like a restaurant or a store that had a TV playing the game, and we just stand like right next to a really small TV. It was like hanging up, so we could all see it. But we all just crowded around like a small TV. Everyone in LA Live, and we just watched the game. I remember, and the first the first place we were standing at was like the the Lakers store, and they like turned off the TV because they didn't want they didn't want people cr- like crowding around their store for some reason. So they turned off the TV. Luckily, my friend and I found a restaurant nearby, and we just stood there with everyone else, and we just stood, watched, took it took it all in, and we cheered as hard as we could like and it felt like we were all together as a city you know like the city of LA for like the first time since winning a championship where everyone was just united in just this one night to watch this one game uh to send off one of the best of all time and I remember 30 points if he if he were to score 30 points that night everyone would just be like oh my gosh it was crazy 30 points but then he got to 40 points and we were like we were losing our minds because there was still so much time left in the game. He got to fifty points, and that was just like insane. Like this is like everyone. I think everyone was just thinking, this is a moment like I'll never forget like for the rest of my life. And then every point after sixty, after fifty, it just got louder and louder, and um, got to sixty with like those free throws, and then the last assist to uh, Jordan Clarkson, I believe. Um, just made for like a really good night and like made it so worth it for me to, you know, lie to my parents. Cause you know, they, they're not basketball fans, so they wouldn't understand why. And it, and yeah. It's so, so, so worth it. So worth it. Yeah. So that's my Kobe story. And yeah, man, I, I watched that game when they re-aired it on ESPN yep. and he still had like 47 points with like two minutes left or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting there thinking, Oh, I didn't remember that this game went to overtime. That's weird. I thought I would have remembered that. Uh, no, he just he just scored like 13 points in two minutes. Yep. Like five for five, I believe. It, was it, the... I was like surprised by it all over again. Yep. Um, the, uh. the other like thing that's kind of been bouncing around my head with him in terms of like why he meant so much overall is that's the most like video game permutations anybody's ever gone through. Like Kobe was on the PlayStation 1 with Tim Duncan on the cover and went through being like two pixels on a screen to what we have in 2K now. And so it's it's like that whole way that I consume basketball through 2K, Kobe went from like the beginning of that all the way up to what it is now. And it, it, it's like nobody else like can ever do that again. Like it's, it's never going to make the leaps and bounds like that ever again. And it was like every year they, you know, they get Kobe's game a little bit more right. You'd appreciate him a little bit more. Oh, I can do that with him. Wow, that's impressive. It's just so many things that he just interwoven into. And um, I think, I think like the non-basketball fans, uh, with his like um, new career in in media, in film production, I think the non-basketball fans are starting to like. They were also probably sh- shaken up and. You know, they were starting like he, he. This guy won an Oscar, an NBA champion winning an Oscar. Like it's, it's so crazy. Never been done. It's so, and the, the fact that he wanted to do that right after he retired, like that's it's like Kobe's got 
an insane amount of money. He can hire whoever he wants. He's in Los Angeles. He can go. He, he, he can try to buy an Oscar. But for that to be like the first thing he wanted to do after he retired was, I'll just go win an Oscar. That's crazy. Like, just no whatever the gene for desire to relax. He didn't possess it. <sighs> How long? I don't know. I don't know when. Like, I don't think. I don't think I'm getting over this. Really, I'll, I'll always think about him, and I think even I think anyone who who's a big who's a like crazy about sports and like they want to they want to go into the sports industry i think we'll all we'll all think about him a little bit like that day that like we finally make it into the league or into whatever league we uh, want to work in when it's like i, I think there's going to be a just a massive reflection on everybody's own immortality across the nba LeBron's going to be a different person now. Kyrie's going to be a different person. Like, so many people that we've been hearing from are going to have just a completely different perspective on life. Like, people are going to work harder. They're going to get better. They're going to love their families a little bit more. Like, it's it's the impact that he's going to have now is, like, it, it might be the same magnitude as he would have. It's just going to be in a very different way. You just uh, made me think of this week when I texted Eric Pincus, uh, Lakers reporter for Bleacher Report, Basketball Insiders, I, I, I was just texting him to like, you know, let him know I was thinking of him and hope he was okay. But I also told him that like Kobe, Kobe's death, like made me rethink the idea of having kids. Like I'm only 21, so it's way too early for me to talk, uh, to talk about this. But before like Kobe, um, died, I, I was, I was kind of, I was on like the anti kid side, really. Like, I was just thinking about myself and like how much I was going to accomplish. So like I didn't want like a kid to get in the way of that. But then like all the Kobe stories, I, I was telling Eric, like all the Kobe stories made me rethink the idea of having kids. And just because of like how happy it made him seem or it made him feel according to like stories from so many people, just like taking, taking, um, like it made me think of all the videos and pictures of him and, uh, Gigi at games and like, like, it made me it makes me think now of like how happy he was to be there and you know him coaching his daughter too and the other girls like like he was still finding other ways to win in life because like his winning days in in like professional basketball are over but like now he can he can help his daughter win help the next generation win and be successful in life that was because we like we got that video of him and Gigi courtside like a month ago and that was the first time that i'd ever like even considered that was like oh how great must his life be that he's sitting there with his daughter explaining his job to her and she's fascinated by it like totally tracking the conversation asking good questions nobody wants to hear their dad talk about what they did at their job like what an insane blessing to have a child that's super interested in what you did for work that just that happens for nobody like you're saying, it's, it's the great teachers that we we remember the great teachers, and like that's uh, another thing. It's detail on ESPN Plus. I think I think that's the future of sports coverage in a way. Like I think that's going to be an entire lane that everybody is doing stuff where it's just here's 20 minutes. Here's a guy who totally understands the game, and he's going to tell you what's happening and why. And like he started that. Like that that. I, like, I think that's going to end up being a premier thing for ESPN. Like they had Nick Saban on it a couple months ago, and they're doing it for fights now. And it's just 
Nobody before Kobe came to a media company and said, hey, what if we just told fans what they were watching and instead of, like, looking down on them and, like, thinking, oh, they're, they're not interested in understanding or they can't understand. We just got to show them who's sitting courtside and interviews and stuff. No, just respect the intellect of the people that are watching and understand that they want to know what's going on and then being willing to do it. Because, I mean, that's... It, could so easily just have been beneath him. No, I'm not going to explain this. Like, they can, they can go learn basketball. How about they go play basketball for 20 years and they'll get it? It would have been so easy. And he, just, he just wasn't wired like that. First of all, uh, great connection to our earlier discussion of, like, great teachers. That's why you're uh, one of the greatest Dopos guests of all time, Ben. Appreciate it. Callbacks. Callbacks work, baby. People love a callback. Yeah. It's like a like little mini hit of nostalgia. Yeah. And then... Like his detail series, I love like the production value. Like it was just him in a recording studio and just like highlighting players and plays and he just talked and just no music or anything, just silence and the game. And we got to learn from one of the greatest to ever play. I'm going to miss this, like his, his work like so much, like from his work in basketball playing, his work in basketball analyzing his work in film production, his work in storytelling. Um, I'm going to miss it all, man. Yeah, like I I halfway want to go buy one of his little wizard books. Yeah. Because I didn't even know, I didn't even know he had wizard books. Yeah, like, yeah. What, what kind of stories was Kobe trying to tell with wizards? And he's super into Harry Potter. I didn't know that about him either. Yeah, I think he... Like that, yeah. that was, like, that, like I, I, that, that was one of the things that, like, really, really connected me to him was, like, Oh, yeah, he was a kid when Harry Potter was coming out. He was a kid, and he was reading Harry Potter books while everybody was like, oh, you gotta, you got to go be L.A.'s giant superstar now, Kobe. That's what you got to do. And he was still making time to read Harry Potter books. Because I guess if anybody can relate to stories about the super gifted kid having to rise to the top early on. He, uh, so from what I know, the wizard books are, are meant for kids, but I think they're meant to inspire kids, so... I think as adults, we can still read it and feel something. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a good message. I just want to buy like all the Kobe merch. I, I only have right? I, I only have one Kobe shirt, and it's like a good shirt because it's like a like I'm gonna keep it forever because like my sister bought it for my birthday a couple years ago, and it's the only piece of Kobe merch I have. So I'm gonna treasure it. But like, I want to buy Kobe shoes, and like I just want to wear it proud. Uh, I want to buy. I want to buy his books. I, w- I would definitely buy his books just to support. And yeah, um, anything else we uh, need to talk about today, Ben? Yeah, what's going on with the NBA? It's crazy. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's absolutely not. I don't know who any of these players are anymore. There are like apparently fifty really good European players in the league now. Yep, the trend of uh, international players being just as good or better than American players. We we are definitely seeing the reality of it now. Nobody's bad at basketball. Like it wasn't that long ago where every team would have players that were just like not great at professional basketball and now everybody's at least pretty good. And like another thing that was crazy about this season was like how the Warriors the Warriors dynasty like crumbling but also a lot of other teams that we thought would be good they they had problems and like they just they just aren't as good or they I mean their or their record isn't showing it 
which is why we see so many a couple new teams in like the playoff standings for both conferences. I think that's like something that is also crazy to me. Yeah, and it's been like it, it's this week really like it's going to I guess define the NBA season where there wasn't a storyline. Like there there wasn't this is the super team and we crowned them before the season started and let's see if they can finish it like there has been for the last 10 years. And now everything's kind of got a clarity of focus because we've lost Kobe and that's going to kind of be the story going forward. But still just the like absolute chaos of basketball now where like it really is like we've just simulated a few years ahead on 2K and we're just playing that out now. Everything's just so unrecognizable. Luca is like apparently just a superhero, I guess. I'm 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 really scared for if the Lakers have to go against Luca in like the first round, but even from like last night, last night's game, uh, Lakers versus Portland, I'd I'd be equally scared of going against Damian Lillard. I think I think I'd be more scared of probably more scared of Damian than Luca at this point, just because Damian's been around longer. But like both of them are so good. Last night Man. just. Just seeing like that was, that was the first game I've watched from Lillard start to finish all year. Man, yeah, no thanks. I don't want any part of that. It, like he's so casual about it too. All those like long distance threes. Every time he shot it, I I just stood up from my chair and I went and leaned against the wall and I'm like, he's so good. He's so good. <laughs> it's so it, it it really does seem like there are just way more guys than there ever have been that can just go get fifty on a night. And more like speaking to our, you know, analytics discussion, a lot more guys who can shoot from, uh, you know, just right, right, right behind the line, but then more guys shooting from like way beyond the line or at the, the logo mark on the court. Yeah. I, I, I think that's just going to keep getting pushed back further and further and further until, cause I mean, it, it's three is still a whole lot bigger than two. Even if you got to shoot from a little bit further away than normal, and I mean these these dudes now are just they're just different. They, I mean, a lot of it is they grew up watching Kobe throw the ball to basket from all the way out there, and so they've all done it fifty thousand times. Like when Whiteside hit that turnaround. Oh man! Like, like that that dude doesn't work that hard, and has you know he's just he's a weird dude. And he still practiced that Kobe fadeaway ten thousand times, no doubt. He, I, he made it look so good, and I was like, I've never seen him do that. Like, I didn't know he was, he was like, he's definitely not known for doing that. And he managed to pull it off at Staples on the night that, like, we we did a Kobe tribute. Unbelievable. And it, 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 it really was just like almost perfect of just finishing up the week with that. Where it, if we needed to be reminded one more time that this isn't a fairy tale. You have Hassan Whiteside hitting fadeaway baseline jumpers to beat you at home. Like, you, yep, you don't get the story. LeBron didn't get to go for 50 points and dominate and destroy them. Whiteside's beating you up from the baseline, and Lillard's almost dropping 50. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm glad we have this. I'm glad the Lakers have, like, a, a cushion to, like, fall back on after a, a rough week. So it's uh, it's fine. Uh, I, speaking of like storylines, uh, I don't know if you're aware of the whole Kobe LeBron uh, feud that happened or might still happen. No, no. Okay. Um, so when LeBron came last year, a lot of murals went up from like really talented artists. Uh, the thing with like murals is that downtown LA, there's a lot of like 
uh, buildings uh, with like graffiti on it, but also like actual artwork, like beautiful murals of like people that inspired the artist. So right. when LeBron came, a lot of murals went up of him in a, like a Lakers uniform. But the problem is that so many people, uh, not not so many, but you know, a couple of troublemakers who are definitely not Lakers fans, they would just like ruin the mural or they just like draw all draw all over the mural. So there the there there was this there's this feud between like true Lakers fans and just like tr- just like Kobe fans, you know, who did not accept LeBron coming to LA. They hated him for some reason. So the story the narrative now is that like like LeBron was here for us when when Kobe was gone and like like Kobe's last tweet was in support of LeBron. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of people are agreeing right now like I don't ever want to like argue about Kobe or LeBron anymore and that like or I, I don't want like I like everyone is fully accepting of LeBron as a Laker no matter if he wins or loses like after what after the speech last night too and being the face of the Lakers at the time of Kobe's passing like we no one no one should ever ever question LeBron as a Laker anymore no that it's like him him being there as like LA's shoulder to cry on, like that's that's one of those things that just feels like destiny. Like that that was meant to happen. What a what a completely different situation it would be if LeBron wasn't there right now. And it was just like a bunch of kids running around playing for the Lakers. Like yeah. just having the one adult in the room that everybody can listen to and that he can help through the process, like that really means a lot. But yeah, one one thing that hopefully there, there will be more unawareness going forward. I get why we, we're not really talking about it this week. Is Kobe fans are crazy? Like those are those are like the worst fans in sports. They're terrible. They're insane. They'll drive three hours to try to fight you. They were like the figurehead of not understanding analytics at all and thinking that Kobe's better than Jordan and all this stuff. And you know LeBron could never top him. And I guess that's one of the things that made him so special. Like it. He really, really, really operated like a religious figure in such a way. Like, LeBron doesn't get that. Like, LeBron, LeBron's polarizing because LeBron talks about politics. Like, anybody, almost anybody that's come up with social media and has been saying things on the Internet long enough, like, there's, there's no myth built around them. And, you know, they're a person that 50 million people are going to really dislike just because people dislike other people. And we just, we really didn't have that with Kobe. And like I, I, I just don't know how many more like real legends will have like that. Now that we have to like we get to watch everybody grow up with social media handlers and agents and stuff. Um, that was one of the best tributes I guess I saw this week was High Noon's episode, and Bomani Jones was talking about how like he he really was like the last superstar that we saw grow up from childhood without anybody managing him. Like he picked his own suit for the draft. That doesn't happen now. Nobody's ever going to do that again. It's like, it's all going to be stylists and tailored, and like he really was just like an absolute kid to grow up. Yeah. Okay, so I think I'm going to end it here, Ben. But like, any any last thoughts on anything? Any last thoughts on anything? Eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. Yep. Eat your vegetables. Uh, Mamba mentality. It's a thing. It's absolutely a thing. It's a thing, and I think I'm going to come to understand what kind of a thing that was, like, more and more every day. 
Um, just, you know, grind a little bit harder this year, everybody. Just see how it feels. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, thank you, Ben, for being on another episode of the Dope Post. You are one of the greatest Dope Post guests of oh, all time. You, buddy. And, and you have one of the greatest podcasts of all time. No doubt. All right. Thank you, Ben. I love you, Ben. You got that feeling.